Hello, I'm Paul Hassebrook, and this is What Entrepreneurs Need to Know, a podcast where we help entrepreneurs grow in their personal lives and their careers, helping them achieve their own financial freedom. Today, I'm joined with uh, by Noah Rosenbarb. Noah's a good friend of mine, someone I've enjoyed getting to know, and he's actually responsible partially for this podcast, and so I'm, I'm grateful he's here. Noah, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Sure, with pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show today. Um, I'm a third-generation CPA, so I've been familiar with money since I'm a little kid, and that's taken me through a variety of different areas of finance. Um, I own a registered investment advisory firm. I also have a platform to allow other people to invest with our family in real estate uh, called investwitharfamily.com. I've got a company called Fiji, FijiRoyalty.com, that's going public. That's super exciting. And today, I think we're going to talk about investing in private debt. I've got a private debt fund that I've been investing with a few other families in debt since 2012. So varied career all around helping the rich get richer. Yeah, and you're not short on uh, things to do. I, I, you and I met talking about real estate. And um, uh, you know, when it comes to structured notes, what exactly are, are those for people who aren't familiar with them? Yeah, so we, we've been making private investments in debt for quite a long time. And anytime you're investing in debt, you're loaning someone money. And, you know, when I was a little kid, one of the things that always made me happy was loaning money to my friends. So I kept a little sheet of paper in my wallet and I was always lending kids five bucks for lunch or 20 bucks for baseball cards or, you know, 10 bucks to go to the movies and I'd write it down. And that was just, you know, something that, made me happy to be in a position to have money because that's not really the environment I had at home. Uh, and so I always loved loaning money out. And as I got older and became more successful, I realized the power of loaning people money versus investing in their business. So uh, if you can make a loan to someone that has a high probability of returning that capital to you, you'll receive not only your money back, but an interest component as well. So we've been doing that um, not only with our own capital, but with a few other families, like I mentioned, since 2012, structuring uh, private debt. So it's just between two parties. It's not a government debt. It's not Mm -hmm. some big Fortune 500 company. And it just depends on who we're negotiating with and how badly they need the money and what the risks are that they might repay us. We structure every deal uh, based on the terms that are required. That's great. So you've had an interest in this since you were uh, young. What was the what was the rate back then? That's <laughs> were you funny. just happy to get repaid? <laughs> I was I was I never charged interest as a kid. I was telling my kids a story about uh, a classmate who I loaned eighty dollars to, which was a lot of money. And so I took collateral. I had uh, his Raider starter jacket and a VHS tape of the brothers that played lacrosse at Syracuse. You know that were excellent when I was growing up. And, and he didn't pay me back. And so I sold the jacket and I sold the tape and I got my $80, <laughs> you know? That's great. Yeah. That's great. So when you guys got into this, how did you, how do you go about finding out like our, our um, applicants or people seeking capital coming to you? Are they all entrepreneurs? Like what, describe how that process works. Yeah. So we're sourcing deals from my network. So people know that I'm a private lender and they'll come to me and say, Hey, Noah, I need a hundred grand. Here's what's going on. And we'll underwrite that and see if it makes sense. 
or I'll get referred to someone that maybe they just got their order from Walmart and they're all excited. They got this great purchase order from Walmart and now they've got to figure out, I got to pay my factory in China and it's going to take six weeks to get it here and then Walmart's not going to pay me for 90 days. What do I do? And so we'll look at that transaction and we'll say, hey, look, we could fund your purchase order. We'll fund that account receivable. Here's how much it'll cost you. So it's building a reputation as someone that has the capacity to help people that can take my money and turn it into more money. So we don't like to loan money to people that are going to, you know, use it for consumables. We'd like to loan money to people who are going to take our capital and generate a high return on it. So when they pay us our interest rates, they're still out ahead. Yeah. So there you're, um, who's your competition? You're really, uh, you know, a niche for someone who maybe doesn't have an operating line of credit or isn't suitable for a typical bank underwriting? Like how would you describe where your product Correct. is? Correct. Yeah, and maybe they've tapped out their the, those types of traditional sources of capital. So we're an alternative lender, meaning we're an alternative to a bank. So yeah. if, you've, if you can't get a bank loan or if you've already gotten as much debt as the bank is willing to lend you, then you come to an alternative lender like us and we'll help figure out if we could underwrite your needs in a way that makes sense for us and makes sense for you. Yeah. So what, have, um, you know, when you look at that, you, you're underwriting it to determine what the interest rate is going to be. What are other than, is, are there other pitfalls other than default in that situation? So default is the biggest situation that we want to avoid. Um, in our history of lending through with other people's money, you know, we've, we, we've only really had one default. Uh, it, we're going through the foreclosure process right now. We had a, a home flipper. He purchased a property. We gave him most of the money to buy the property and rehab it. He had put in some of his own money. And through a confluence of events, he couldn't finish the job. And he didn't want to give us, pay us back or give us the house. So now we're trying to take repossession. At the end of the day, we'll probably get 100% of our money back, maybe 110% of our money back. Uh, but had we collected all of the interest that we would have been entitled to, maybe we would have received 140%. So, right. you know, it's, it's not such a big loss for us. Uh, we just didn't get the interest we expected. But default is definitely the thing you have to worry about most in this business. Mm -hmm. Is there, within your fund, do you mix in, like, do you have a targeted allocation to say fix and flip type borrowers versus accounts receivable or how does that play out? It's all based on the deal flow we get and whether or not we like the deal more so than a targeted allocation. So it's usually relationship based that we're originating opportunities. So, you know, we might have a strong deal flow in purchase order finance and then all of a sudden it converts to a strong deal flow of house flipping and then it's converting to a strong deal flow of you know private investments in public entities and and so as we get each opportunity we're underwriting it and seeing if it's a fit we haven't had a, a waiting problem i would say in the early stages of the fund we backed a company called lending club and we were one of the original investors in Lending Club. And we allocated essentially 100% of the fund into Lending Club assets. And that performed really well for us for a, a long period of time. And at, at some point, the yields kept coming down. So whereas we were generating 
10, 11, 12% returns on our money, that started becoming 8, 9, 10%, and it became less attractive, and we moved on to a greener pastures. Very good. So you're pretty, um, sounds like you're pretty flexible or agile, really just seeking return for uh, Correct. on your money. Yeah. And it's really, you know, the whole philosophy that I've had in my approach to investing other people's capital is I'm only going to do for them what I'm going to do with my money. And so mm-hmm. it's got to be attractive to me. And I'm a patient guy. So I'd rather, you know, invest my money in good quality deals. If I don't have one, I'll keep my money in cash. And, and that's mm-hmm. where, you know, we've seen through the, throughout the last business cycle, there's been a time where it was hard to find good deals. And now we're finally seeing that open up again with all the issues that are going on in our economy, the value of cash is becoming high. Yeah. How, how has this um, COVID-19 um, hit this, this area? So we haven't seen yields go up. So, you, you know, in the corporate debt market, yields are down, meaning the amount that uh, a large company would pay on a loan that it takes by issuing its own bonds is going to be lower after COVID, you know, and, and a variety of other things that have gone on in our economy. So those rates are low. I believe that over the course of the next two or three quarters, we'll see the yields on the type of debt instruments that we're investing in, that they should inch a little bit higher because the risks of default probably have increased as a result of COVID. And so any investor is going to want a little bit more money on their capital to take the mm-hmm. risk of investing now. Right. But, and, and on the demand side, are you, are you seeing more, like, like I know some of the banks that I talk to in my real estate business, they're just slammed with um, a lot of the PPP loans, um, just not wanting to underwrite stuff right now, unless it's SBA. I would think that that would maybe drive more, um, applicants towards uh, private lending? Yeah, I think that the availability of capital from traditional lenders right now is somewhat stifled. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's been happening, a lot of entrepreneurs are getting their EIDL loans or their PPP loans. And so that's carrying in them through, perhaps through the summer. So we're really preparing for this avalanche of capital needs that's going to come at us into the end of the third quarter and beginning of the fourth quarter. So we're preparing for that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think your, your fund is open to new investors, right? So we just opened for the first time in eight years, uh, predominantly because we just see so much opportunity that's going to be coming to us. So mm-hmm. we want to be prepared and we want to be able to diversify and take on new opportunities and allocate capital effectively. So, yeah, we're, we also have, investors that are seeking yield-based investments that are going to produce like a six to eight percent return, which is our Mm -hmm. target. Mm -hmm. And historically, they may have been able to get that in other places. And it looks like it keeps getting harder and harder um, to generate that type of yield. So it's becoming more and more attractive to invest in private debt with us. Mm-hmm. And on the applicant side, um, if, uh, if an entrepreneur was needy, in need of capital or looking for something like that, how do they find someone like yourself? How do they contact you? Yeah, so generally I'm introduced through a friend or somebody's reaching out to me on LinkedIn and they say, hey, Noah, I heard you're in the alternative lending space. Here's my situation. Can you help me? 
and we'll figure out if either we can underwrite the deal directly and participate or if we could refer them to someone that's probably more in the, the lane of what they're looking for. You know, a lot of the things we do, you know, it's alternative lending. So sometimes people come to us and when they hear what it's going to cost to borrow from a group like ours, they quickly decide, oh, I'd rather just take a home equity line of credit. Well, if you can take a home equity line of credit, that's a great option right mm-hmm. now. You're probably going to pay under three and a half percent. So, you know, that's great. Right. And, but, you know, I think that there's, um, it's interesting what you said about looking at three to six months down the road, because I've been looking at that myself um, with our hotel business. Um, I think things, even if the economy is starting to ramp back up, there are a lot of businesses that um, are still going to be struggling to find traditional sources of capital. And uh, so I, I kind of share that vision. I'm just thinking, for the entrepreneurs listening to this podcast, thinking about how they can leverage a resource such as yourself um, for their company. Is there, I guess, the what would you say to them as far as how to get started trying to find a, a, a private lender? Are there, are there, is there a directory? <laughs> no, you know, usually you're going to work through a network. So you're going to either find someone through your accountant or your lawyer, or you're going to ask your friends, um, you know, it depends on what type of capital you need. And so I always recommend that anyone before they seek out an alternative lender, that they get clear on what their current sources of availability are. So are you willing to put more cash in that out of your savings account? Are you willing to get a home equity line of credit? Do you already have an SBA loan or can you refinance and get an SBA loan? Is there business inventory or business receivables that you could get a line of credit against from a bank. You know, figure out what, where can you get your lowest cost of capital? Because as an entrepreneur, our job is to figure out how to maximize our efficiency and pay as little as we can for the capital that we need. Sometimes the opportunity is just too good. If you have a chance to bring in a million dollars in revenue from a great new customer and unfortunately, it's going to cost you, you know, 3% a month to take on that debt, but you're going to make an extra 250 grand. Well, right. it's kind of like don't count someone else's uh, pocket change, you know, focus on your business, what's good for your business. And if the cost of capital is high, but it enables you to make more money, then it's probably a deal worth doing. Yeah. And what, what size are these, um, these loans usually made in? So we're typically making loans that are on the low end around 250000 on the high end around a million, and, and really anywhere in between. If it's a larger uh, need on the part of the entrepreneur, sometimes we'll find the right partner to partner with us, and we'll bring them into the deal on the same terms we've negotiated. Okay. Wow, that's just great. I, uh, I know just a little bit about this part of the investing world, and uh, I find this topic really interesting, especially I think uh, people in the real estate world, when they think about fix and flip type loans, there's a lot of private money lenders out there lending smaller dollar amounts. But um, when you start talking to entrepreneurs that are maybe hitting the 100000 to $300,000 a year in sales, a lot of them don't realize that there are options out there to help them finance, um, you know, finance their operations. And uh, the question I think a lot of entrepreneurs should be asking themselves is if I had more capital, what could I do with it? Uh, exactly. Because like you said, even if, uh, 
you know, if you get an SBA loan, a uh, line of credit for a hundred or 200,000, um, you know, maybe you pay a little bit more to a private lender for an additional tranche of capital, but what could you do with those funds? Could you hire a new salesperson? Could you make an investment in, in a new production line? Um, you know, and, and so I think for investors listening in to this to think about how they could leverage uh, someone such as yourself and your sources um, to grow their company, I think that's really powerful. Yeah, well, we've, we've found that people don't often know how, how much it costs to get an equity investor. So a lot of times an entrepreneur thinks, well, I have this great opportunity to grow my business. I need 300,000 of capital. And let me just go find someone to put that money in my company and I'm gonna give them 30% of my business. Well, the reality is the return that is expected for an equity investor is likely to be significantly higher than the return that we're expecting as an alternative lender. So, mm-hmm. you know, too often I think entrepreneurs jump to equity because it seems to solve their problem quickly, but they should consider what's the impact going to be long-term on the value they're creating and how much they're actually giving up to that equity investor. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Is there anything else you would impart to entrepreneurs when they, uh, you know, thinking about notes and alternative lending? So oftentimes you'll find that lenders have specific areas of expertise and the value they're going to provide to you goes beyond the cash. So if you're in the clothing manufacturing and distribution business, so you've got your factory in Asia that you're sourcing from and you're distributing it through retail channels in America, you might find a factor like like our partner that we factor those types of deals with. He's got 30 years in the clothing industry. Mm-hmm. You can't tap his brain as a consultant, but if you borrow his money along with ours, you better well know he's going to be interested in helping you grow your business. So oftentimes when you access this private capital, you're also getting access to very smart, talented people that don't sell their time for money, but you're going to get their time because they've loaned you their money. God, that's so huge. I think, uh, you know, I think maybe some entrepreneurs, they only think of equity for that sort of strategic capital, right? Like, you know, besides the money, what else can this investor bring to the table? And, uh, you know, I hadn't really considered that a, a private lender would, ha- would take such a role um, in helping, helping the company move along. Yeah, especially when an entrepreneur is going to have a recurring need for growth capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see this most often as people are growing profitably, but they don't produce cash flow because their growth rate is too high. So usually that's in that purchase order finance, account receivable finance, equipment finance, you want to build the relationship with your alternative lender where you feel like they're a partner. You feel like they understand you. And hopefully you're building a relationship with them where there's a value that you're bringing to one another. So not only are they bringing you the capital, but they're bringing you the expertise. And then again, not only are you giving them a return of their capital and a return on their investment, but you're building that relationship where you can rely on them and you don't have to worry that somebody else is knocking on your door and maybe they're going to charge you 3% a year less. If you, if you built a relationship with someone that's valuable, price becomes less sensitive. Yeah. Wow. That's great. So, um, you know, before we go, can you just tell us how we could reach you? How can people find out more about what you do? 
Sure. The best place to reach me is LinkedIn. I post a lot on LinkedIn. I post a lot of articles of interest. I'm always commenting about wealth and taxes and real estate and debt and, you know, how to allocate your capital. Um, My URL there is, you know, just type in Noah Rosenfarb at the top and I'm sure you'll find me. There's not too many Noah Rosenfarbs out there. Uh, Connect with me on LinkedIn. Feel free to send me a message and we'll get the conversation going. That's great. Yeah. Noah's helping me set up a website for um, this podcast. We hope that you'll subscribe. I'm Paul Hassebrook. This is What Entrepreneurs Need to Know. And you can find us online at wentka.com. So thank you, Noah. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me on, Paul. I appreciate it.